to Colorado and Phoenix, they've now won six straight and have points in their last eight games. Since that closed-door meeting in St. Louis, they're now 7-0-1, and of course, part of that can be directly correlated to Jeff Ward and when he took over in the wake of the resignation of Bill Peters. But there are a few other factors that are all adding up to the Flames being on a hot streak right now. Hello, and welcome to Locked On Flames, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kristen Anderson, and that's exactly where I want to go today, and how the heck the Flames actually got here. And before I get into Thursday's game against the Maple Leafs and Saturday's game against the Carolina Hurricanes, let's break down exactly why this team is where they are. Heading into Wednesday's action, they jumped into third in the Pacific Division with a 7 17, 12, and 4 record, which of course we knew the Pacific Division would somewhat even out. And still, it's a pretty tight race in the Pacific Division, and they're only two points back of the Edmonton Oilers and Arizona Coyotes, who both have 18, 11, and 4 records. The Oilers, of course, have the tiebreaker, so they're sitting first in the Pacific Division. But the Flames are 9-3-2 at home, which is tops in the Pacific Division and one of the best home records in the West. And after Monday's 5-4 overtime win at Colorado and Tuesday's 5-2 win at Arizona, they're 8-9-2 on the road. So they're getting better on the road. But this is exactly what the point of these last few weeks was, is just to get points, to kind of get caught up to where, from where they were at the start of the season. And that's exactly, I think, where they're at a good place where Jeff Ward feels that this team can build on. And for the first time, I think, since last winter, this team is piling up points and getting them, getting wins in every way that they can. And they're actually starting to resemble the team that had 50 wins and 107 points in 2018-19. If you remember, they were the best outfit in the Western Conference. But I think that this is the first time they've really looked like they did at the beginning of last year when they were so dominant almost exactly a year ago when they were so dominant and they were kind of building up to that position and that point they're not quite there yet I wouldn't say they're dominant but they're getting close and they at least have this six game win streak that they can build on and they've played faced a pile of adversity a devastating knee injury to one of their best blue line prospects, Yusuf Alamaki, the six-game losing streak, and then that scary incident involving TJ Brody, their slumping stars, John Monahan and Johnny Goudreau, a week-long coaching controversy around Bill Peters, which ultimately ended in the promotion of associate coach Jeff Ward, to this. So six straight games, points in their last eight games, like I mentioned, they're scoring from everywhere, they're getting good goaltending, and it's enough to make you scratch your head and kind of wonder how this 180 degree turn happened but I think we should really examine how they were able to get on this role and to stay there as well I think it starts with the fact that they're playing for each other and there's just something about going through these types of struggles that makes a group stronger and the players are relying on each other now they're being accountable and I think it starts with head or captain Mark Giordano who has the interesting relationship with head coach Jeff Ward or interim head coach Jeff Ward. They did hold a closed door meeting in St. Louis on November 21st to lay it all on the line. So that was built. That was when Bill Peters was still coaching the team. 
but that allowed, I think that allowed Mark Giordano to set the tone. And this is clearly a group now that is playing loose and having fun, but also keeping each other in check. From the music at practice to the resurgence of that purple Gatorade, Sean Hamanahan, Johnny Goudreau, and Elias Lindholm, they squirt purple Gatorade in each other's mouths. just kind of looks like they're enjoying themselves again. But it's also important to note that Jeff Ward is putting the onus on the players. It's they're, they're getting control of this process. The coaching switch and change in communication style from Bill Peters to Jeff Ward has seemed to have rubbed off on this group, but I really think it's because they're playing for each other now. Another reason why they are where they are is because of their good goaltending. The Flames wouldn't be even close to where they are right now without David Riddick and when he's been drawing in Cam Talbot. I think Riddick has exceeded this team's expectations when he was given the opportunity to be the starter. And really the Flames have needed him to be tremendous. He's kept them in games they shouldn't have been in and especially in a time of uncertainty he's given them stability. His questionable puck handling at times can be forgiven based on his entire body work I think. His questionable puck handling is so interesting because it was sort of how Mike Smith got his start in the league became a good puck handler and you know, you looked at the way that he was able to handle the puck in Calgary, and I think that's kind of where David Riddick has built a lot of that confidence from. Still, sometimes he makes some questionable decisions, and I really think that it hinders him sometimes. I've talked about it on this podcast, but I really think that he needs to um, manage that element of his game somewhat. He is effective when he is focused, and you really have seen that in the last little while, especially the last month. Riddick has a 14-7-4 record and a 2.74 goals against average and a .913 save percentage. And he's the busiest netminder in the NHL. He's already made 25 starts, so that's a ton of games. This pace may not be sustainable through 82 games, but the good news is Talbot seems to have rediscovered his game with the Flames as well. So if you use a little bit of Talbot, a little bit of Riddick, mostly Riddick towards the end of the season. I think the Flames will have a good tandem going. They already do, but I think they're overusing Riddick a little bit. We've talked about that on the podcast as well. And while the statistics don't show it yet, I really think that Talbot has a 3-5-0 record after Tuesday's 5-2 win over the Arizona Coyotes. He is improving, and he's really proving to be a solid addition to this tandem. So good goaltending has been another reason why the Flames have been able to roll. Another reason, scoring depth. They're no longer a one-line predictable team. The Flames have some tangible depth up front. You've seen it in the past, I would say, five games, six games. In meeting with all of his players, Jeff Ward took their input and devised some new-look lines that seemed to have shaken things up. So we saw that last week when Jeff Ward took over the team and started implementing these line changes in practice. Most notably, Johnny Goudreau was on the third line with Milan Lucic and Derek Ryan. Sean Monaghan was also playing a bit of wing. And same with Michael Backlund. So that's another element they've been able to add. But spreading things out has done wonders with this group. Of course, the core of their offense still runs through their big three, Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monaghan, and Elias Lindholm. But they've created this new dimension of their offense by putting Monaghan and Backlund on the wings. Those two are able to crisscross. They're both able to still take draws on different sides of the ice, offensive draws, defensive draws. And during this eight-game point spree, they've had 13 different goal scorers. With the emergence of D- Dylan Dubé and Andrew Mangiapane and the newfound confidence of Milan Lucic and Tobias Reeder, 
the slump snapped of Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan, they've sort of become this well-rounded group, which I think will bode well for them as they move forward. Another reason why they are where they are is the buy-in. This doesn't happen if the Flames don't buy into Jeff Ward's philosophies. Jeff Ward's a former teacher, as I've talked about on this podcast. He's a longtime experienced coach in many different leagues. And the 57-year-old understands what makes people tick. That's the most important thing. He knows how to get people motivated. Ward has made a point to get to know all of his players one-on-one, which has really been a continuation of his approach prior to the coaching change. He's done that for the last year that he's been with the team, the last year and a half. He's sort of been that guy that other players can talk to and feel comfortable with, understanding that normalcy is important. I think that that was something that was the number one thing he said in his opening press conference is, is the day that he was promoted officially to head coach, the interim head coach, is that keeping things normal is so important during a tumultuous time. And he's tried to do that and keep things similar in terms of their systems. And the tweaks have come in the form of ice time, a reduction for some, an addition for many, and the line changes. Of course, that Goudreau to the third line was just so uncomprehensible for some people uh, at the beginning or at the onset of this. But I do think that it's really worked. And he's able to put Goudreau on the backline Monaghan line as well. And you can the, the power play still coexists really nicely together, I think. And it's, it's just another dimension. And it's worked. And nobody's pouted. And that's been one of the biggest keys to this streak is a total team buy-in. And that's crucial. Another reason, this is my fifth and last reason, is the fact that they've been playing structured and staying structured in their play. Jeff Ward has said this on multiple occasions. This is one of his quotes. He said, if you work hard and play with structure, you give your skill a chance to get into the hockey game. And that's exactly what the Flames have been doing. The fact that they've been able to create bounces in the right direction and stay afloat in games when they should be really taking on water and really not competing in games it really shows how far they've come in the last eight games that includes battling back from early goals and establishing leads and hanging on to them and protecting them and um, you know providing run support for David Riddick I think they're doing all of those things but they're also playing with structure there's no panic in their game and their power play has been productive and they've also scored in the last four games their penalty kill apart from Monday's game against Colorado has been stingy and their defensive game has been totally buttoned down. They still believe there's room to grow. But all of this is evidence that this group has been sticking to their process. And lo and behold, their talent has been able to emerge. Mark Giordano's not playing with the same sort of weight on the, his shoulders. Johnny Goudreau has been able to ba- get back to his creative ways. And Sean Monaghan, he's hitting the net like he usually does. And as a result, it's allowed them to roll to six straight wins. Eventually, this streak is going to end, no doubt about it. But if they can develop these good habits now, perhaps this will set them up better for the second half of the season and ideally playoffs. So what's next? The Toronto Maple Leafs. On Thursday, the Flames host the Toronto Maple Leafs at the Scotiabank Saddledome. This is the start of a four-game homestand for the Flames. In just a minute, I want to highlight the two busiest goaltenders in the league, David Riddick and Frederick Anderson, and they'll be up probably head-to-head on Thursday. I've talked about David Riddick so much this season already, and it's been a real incredible year for him. 
it's hard to believe that this guy only came to North America a couple of years ago, but he's really embraced this starter's role with the Calgary Flames, and really he's been unflappable all season, I would think. I think there's times when he gets a little bit emotional, and he's a pretty intense guy, and sometimes that gets the best of him, but I think he, you want a passionate guy in that, and that's the biggest thing with David Riddick, and he wants to be the starter. He wants to have that responsibility on his shoulders, and I think that when you look at some of his post-game comments, when the, the game hasn't gone his way, he just totally blames himself. Sometimes it's totally unwarranted, but he, he he knows that he's the last possible point of defense for the team, and he totally takes it upon himself for that responsibility. Frederick Anderson is an interesting conversation as well when you look at the two of them together because they're both in similar situations where their teams are so reliant on on both of their goaltenders. You look at Frederick Anderson and the types of minutes that he's played. He's sitting right next to, right under David Riddick with just over 1,500 minutes played, whereas David Riddick has 1,509 minutes and 31 seconds in total ice time. David Riddick had a day off after backstopping the Flames to a 5-4 overtime win against Colorado, while Frederick Anderson was dominant between the pipes in a 4-1 win over the host Vancouver Canucks on Tuesday. And it was his 199th NHL win. And I think that Frederick Anderson obviously was particularly skinny on Canucks star Brock Besser, who fired eight of the Canucks 39 shots his way. And Anderson has also made 25 starts, just like David Riddick. He's sitting, David Riddick is sitting number one in the NHL with 723 saves. Frederick Anderson has 721. And the two are also 1-2 in shots against with 792 and 783, respectively. And it'll be interesting to see the two of them, um, just how this game goes. Is it going to be a defensively tight game? I, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a pretty wide-open game when you look at how many goals the Toronto Maple Leafs have allowed, and that's just based on their defense alone. I don't think that can be blamed on Frederick Anderson. Same thing with Cal- the Calgary Flames. And it's... It's they're similar in similar roles with their clubs. They're similar in age. They're similar in a little bit similar in NHL experience. Of course, Frederick Anderson has a lot more experience than David Riddick does. But I think that it's going to be an interesting matchup against the Toronto Maple Leafs to see David Riddick go up against Frederick Anderson, who we assume is starting. We haven't heard for sure. Like Sheldon Keefe wouldn't comment or wouldn't confirm after. Tuesday night's game in Vancouver, but all signs are pointing to just the way that the Calgary Flames are rolling. I would assume they would go with Frederick Anderson over Michael Hutchinson. And same thing for Calgary. I would assume they go with David Riddick over Cam Talbot, who played on Tuesday against Arizona. Okay, so there's some lineup questions heading into Thursday's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs for the Calgary Flames. Matthew Kachuk was out on Tuesday with an upper body injury, which he appeared to suffer in the third period of Monday's game against the Colorado Avalanche. That was a little bit unexpected to have him not play on Tuesday night, but I do think that faced with a back-to-back scenario, perhaps keeping him out of the lineup was a good thing. It's still early in the season, and there's no sense on playing him if you don't absolutely have to. It'll be interesting to see if they give him another night off or if this injury is a lot more serious than originally feared, uh, but I doubt that's the case. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I, I don't think that that would be the case on Thursday. We'll find out, of course, on Thursday at Morning Skate, but Thursday, you know, you look at the way that the lineup has been going, the lineup has been trending. Matthew Kachuk comes out, Tobias Reeder goes in, Matthew, um, or Mark Jankowski goes back in, and Zach Ronaldo, of course, scored again in his second game that he's played. So, um, 
there is some depth. There is some chemistry happening. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if Matthew Kachuk can't play for the next couple of games. You don't want him out any longer than that, of course. But there are players coming back from injury. Sam Bennett, I would think, comes into the lineup very soon. And Austin Zarnick as well. Um, Austin Zarnick has been on a conditioning stint with the Stockton Heat. So um, I would see, and that's, of course, a cap situation where they needed some cap relief. I, and Dylan Dubé has been playing well, as I mentioned. Uh, and then Milan Lucic is also, his offense has sort of comes with the table a little bit. There are options here when it comes to their forward depth. And so I think it's not the worst thing in the world if Matthew Kachuk is out um, for the next couple of games. That being said, you don't want this to la- linger any longer, especially over the Christmas holidays. So uh, the Leafs, on the other hand, are I made a four-game road trip and were given Wednesday off to recover after Tuesday's 4-1 win against the Vancouver Canucks. It was originally scheduled as a practice day in Calgary, but knowing that the schedule is what it is and it's a, a pretty tough schedule on the Leafs, being in Western Canada, they wanted to have a day off as well. Meanwhile, the Flames, who won back-to-back games against Colorado and Arizona, stayed overnight in Scottsdale on Tuesday and flew home on Wednesday. It's that time of the year and both coaches are cognizant of the demands of the current stretch. So for the Flames, like I said, they'll begin a four-game road trip, or sorry, homestand against the Leafs, the Carolina Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday, the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday, and the Montreal Canadiens on Thursday. A lot of similarities between the Flames and the Leafs, boy. You look at how the Maple Leafs are doing nine games into this Sheldon Keefe era similar to the Flames, and they're positively responding. The 39-year-old has made adjustments to some of their Top Guns workload, playing them more frequently and seeing the results with the 6-3-0 record since Mike Babcock was fired. The Maple Leafs are one of the most prolific teams in the NHL, having scored 104 goals, and that was sixth most in the 31-team loop heading into Wednesday's action. But on the other side, they've allowed 104 goals, which is fourth most in the NHL, so defense is still an issue. Again, with the lineup questions, you'd have to think that the Leafs go with Frederick Anderson, although Michael Hutchinson Michael Hutchinson needs a game and needs a start. But I think a day off will give Frederick Anderson the rest he needs, and they will go that way on Thursday. All right, again, the Flames are riding an eight-game point streak with a 7-0-1 record, and that dates back to that team, the team's closed-door meeting in St. Louis on November 21st. Flames forward Sean Monaghan is riding a seven-game point streak with five goals and three assists in that span. Milan Lucic has three goals and one assist in his past four games. And the Flames' power play has scored in four straight games. Boy, that's a pretty good streak right now for the Flames, who had such a hard time scoring on their power play at the beginning of the year. They're finally getting rewarded for doing the right things. Ten different players hit the score sheet in Tuesday's 5-2 win over the Coyotes. And I just wanted to let you know that the Flames' alumni are hosting a toy drive during Saturday's game against the Carolina Hurricanes. And that will be distributed on December 24th to the Calgary Police Foundation's families and in honor of Emerson Stajan to the Alberta Children's Hospital. And you have to look at the lineup as well, too. I think that they'll stick with it. I mean, it's working for them right now. Andrew Mangiapani on the left-hand side with Elias Lindholm, Tobias Reeder on Tuesday, of course. That replaces Matthew Kachuk. Uh, the two were flip-flop before. Dylan Dubé, Sean Monaghan, Michael Backlund on the second line, Milan Lucic, Derek Ryan, Johnny Goudreau on the third line, Zach Ronaldo, Mark Jankowski, Michael Froelich on the fourth line, and Matthew Phillips has been called up. So it will be interesting to see if he gets a game uh, at the NHL level, obviously, while he's called up. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he'll get factored into the equation. You don't bring a guy up if you don't want to play him, especially a younger guy like Matthew Phillips. He's such a 
interesting story, an undersized player and really defied odds at all of his, all the levels that he's played at junior uh, in the AHL and hopefully now at the NHL for him, for his sake. He's a hometown kid. He was born and raised in Calgary. So it would be very cool if he gets into one of these games during this four-game homestand. On defense, you see Mark Giordano with Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin with Travis Hamannick, TJ Brody with Michael Stone, and then the goaltenders, of course, David Riddick, Cam Talbot. Injuries for the Flames. We see Matthew Kachuk out with an upper body injury. We'll see if that pertains to Thursday's game as well. Left winger Sam Bennett has a shoulder injury. Austin Zarnick is out with a lower body injury. And Yusuf Alamaki is out with a knee injury. I'll just run through the special teams stats right now. Prior to Wednesday's action, the Flames were 18.4% on their power play. That's 19 for 103 and 16th in the league. The penalty kill prior to Wednesday's action was 83.6%, which was tied for ninth in the league. I'll be back Friday morning with the entire recap of Thursday's game, some post-game quotes and notes, and a preview of Saturday's action against the Carolina Hurricanes. Thanks so much for joining me on Locked on Flames. I'm Kristen Anderson, your host. Hope to see you again soon.